Stones, that was Gimme Shelter by the Rolling Stones, following We Built This City by Jefferson Starship on this 80s radio station, 80s radio. I feel like that bumper might be copied from somewhere. I do not know. It was a random tune in my head. Well, let's see. The program next is the Film Geek Collective, coming up in 3, 2, 1. Hello, ladies, gentlemen, and others. We have the Film Geek Collective. And today we're going to study Martin Scorsese in this dry analysis. No, just kidding. Hello, welcome to the Film Geek Collective. I think that, I kind of like that radio station thing going on. But uh, yeah, first of all, let's do the shout outs. Since this is, this is a topic and it is on Martin Scorsese. So shout outs to the usual. Tessie Cat, Elsie Cool Film, Mama Tick, Zach Cascott, My Bear, Unicorn, Dubby Rated Pod, Real Sharks Podcast, aka Rebus Shaku, Sam from IJ Contrera, Ashy Slashy, Eloisa Hilton, the Chris Watch, Lock Luster Video, Apple Park Films, Autistic in Melbourne, Naked Airplane. Larry, 1937, 26, 26, 21, Films with Amy, Zeus, Caution Spoilers, JGWR, Elsa One, Heavenly Imagine, Still Melo, Lee JM75, and Eric Sluss. Now, let's enjoy. Alrighty then. So, yeah, last week, I believe we did a podcast on pacing. And, yeah, I feel like I should do more of these topic episodes as well, because just mix things up a little bit, because it's not every week you want to analyze a film. It's hard work, you know, sometimes. But uh, yeah, so we're going to talk about Martin Scorsese and various things about him and the movies I've seen of his and, you know, just the various things that I'd like to talk about with him. For example, I will even touch on my opinion on the Marvel thing and also the recent, that is today, the recent content article, which really I read them both in preparation again and uh, it's interesting, because the Marvel thing I don't agree with, but the content thing, I can kind of see where he's coming from, that everything's served as content, but uh, I don't know. It's uh, at harpers.org that this uh, article is. I forget if it's like paid after a certain amount of stories or whatever, but you know. So yeah, I think that uh, he spends most of the Harper's article talking about uh, Fellini, Federico Fellini, responsible for Eight and a Half and La Dolce Vita which personally I couldn't make it past one hour of La Dolce Vita, but that's just my personal taste. However, we're here to discuss Scorsese mainly. So I think that uh, when he says content became a business term for all moving images, well, I kind of get that because, you know, everything is content versus the thing about content versus form that he had previously going, you know, because I, I guess, I guess like form was the style and content was the substance. And, uh, you know, I just really do think that either one can work. Content versus form isn't really a thing anymore when things are on a level playing field. And yeah, he, pr- he puts a point against that and I can see that, but I really don't know. But uh, yeah, Of course, uh, with the Marvel thing, I obviously disagree that it's not real cinema. I've reiterated before that uh, all films are art, no matter whether you like them or not. And uh, they're different types of art, and people can hate art, and people can love art. And, uh, you know, I just really do think that everything can be art. Just because, you know, even even something like a, a yellow, a yellow, you know what I mean, a paint stroke of yellow paint... <laughs> can 
be a, a, a piece of art. And then, you know, something like a blank canvas can be a piece of art. I was just incredibly awkward there with the thing. Sorry about that. But, uh, yeah. I... Going into now Martin Scorsese's movies, he has a quite eclectic taste in music, which I really, really do like about him. You know, the man's used Gimme Shelter more than any other filmmaker. <laughs> in fact, yeah, you must have noticed my uh, opening thing that I did in the fake radio intro, which I like doing. <laughs> you know, honestly, some people to- told me I could become a radio DJ if I wanted. But uh, yeah. So, out of the movies I've seen, I think that Taxi Driver is my favourite. Now, you may be asking, why Taxi Driver? Because I think that it's a an intimate character study of a man who is slowly going insane, but it's uh, it's definitely done better than even, even Joker, because I like Joker, but it felt, as many people have said, a bit derivative of both Taxi Driver and The King of Comedy. And, yeah, I, one thing I do appreciate about Joker... I do really like that film as well overall, but it actually has a visual shout-out to Network. But, uh, yeah, Um, Network and Joker use the same sort of shot of multiple television screens playing something important, which, uh, you know, you'll see when you see both the movies. I'm not going to say here. But, uh, yeah, so in terms of the... I did a review of The Wolf of Wall Street which uh, was way back now, but uh, that movie was really go for broke about a narcissist. But, uh, you know, the thing is, you don't necessarily have to like a character. And it was interesting how, you know, it's interesting how Scorsese's like, you know, um, just you you got to present it as it is. You know, he presents stuff like Goodfellas, Wolf of Wall Street, Casino, The Irishman, as it is. He doesn't judge the characters. He lets them do what they do. And that way it's sort of, a bit observatory, not as, like, clinical as Kubrick, but at the same time, it's just, you know, you get to make your own judgments, as well as, you know, like, there's there's one thing, you can, you, you can feel sorry for a character, like, possibly, you know, you can feel sorry for a guy who's fallen into a criminal life, but then you can condemn him at the same time, you can be like, oh, I kind of hope this guy loses, and stuff, because, you know, he's gone down that, that wrong criminal path, or I hope this guy gets reformed, or something like that. That complex morality that Scorsese just allows to play in front of audiences. Yeah. And another thing I like about him as a person, he's supporting multiple filmmakers, in, including, you know, he's supporting all types of filmmakers, and, you know, he executive produces a bunch of stuff. I'm pretty sure I saw his credit on Uncut Gems, and uh, even Joker, which was pretty cool. But, uh, yeah, he's uh, produced a bunch of stuff as well. Not to the extent that Spielberg has, of course, but, uh, you know, you can you can produce a fair amount. Um, one underrated film that I found Scorsese did was Shutter Island, which uh, I really, really enjoyed. And it was a psychological thriller with not much action, if at all. But uh, basically, I just really liked that because of the sense of mystery, because of Leo DiCaprio's performance, because of... You know, the facts that you can uh, get some things out of multiple watches. And that's a highly underrated film, which it's it's really difficult to say too much about it because I don't want to give too much away. There was going to be an HBO series based around it at one point, which I'm still interested to see if that's going to happen at uh, HBO and Paramount Television, considering their working relationship with the Watchmen miniseries. But uh, yeah, so the other ones I've seen so far... Just, these are skimming things, not proper analysis of any of the films. 
when I'm going over them right now. This is more of an experimental style, you know, the king of comedy. Now, this is one where, you know, you kind of feel sorry for the character's downward spiral, but you, you don't really like him. You know, it's uh, Rupert Pupkin that uh, Robert De Niro plays. A bit like the Joker role in Joker, I guess. But uh, yeah, I, I can say that, I believe, without giving away too much. But uh, I think that Robert De Niro plays the television host in Joker, whereas Jerry Lewis, famed comedian Jerry Lewis, plays the the, the television host in, in uh, King of Comedy. And it's an interesting way to show that Robert De Niro has versatility. And I just think it's fantastic the way, you know, in, in, in any project, but I feel like Scorsese gets a lot out of him, you know, because, you know, Goodfellas, he's the guy who gives out money, Taxi Driver, he's a guy going insane. And, you know, I think that also Raging Bull, <laughs> when I first saw him on the Raging Bull poster, I always thought he was Dustin Hoffman. But no, I mean, they bury him in enough makeup and stuff that you you don't recognize him. And, you know, he's one of the method actors and he does things that are a bit crazy and are, and are a bit out there. Like I'm, I'm talking in a in pretty much a good way. I'm not talking about Jared Leto and Suicide Squad or anything, but uh, yeah. I really do think that uh, Robert De Niro's career grew because of Scorsese, and that's probably a general consensus. But uh, yeah, I think that uh, there are some flaws in Casino. Uh, for instance, there are some flaws in Scorsese's films. I think Goodfellas runs a bit too long in toward the third act, I would say. I would tighten that a bit personally. Like, it, there's, no, there's obviously no, inf- no offence intended and opinions differ, but yeah, Casino, I definitely feel like there was too much narration going on in the, in the opening hour, they could have scaled that back, I mean, narration really worked in Goodfellas, in fact, Scorsese's, like, most of the times, he uses narration, in my opinion, are brilliant, he uses it to add to the scene, rather than just tell us what we've already seen, you get a character's perspective, even Ray Liotta for Goodfellas, you know, he talks to someone as he read the narration, which was brilliant. And uh, yeah, even the multiple narrator thing in the casino, which uh, I really did like, because you don't see too many films do multiple narrators. I really just think that that should be used a bit more, you know? And even in Casino, he used it inventively, you know? And just because a character's just because a character's saying something now, that doesn't mean they're going to be all right later. I mean, it could mean they're all right later, but who knows? And I would say the only one, you know, keeping in mind that I'm talking about the films of Scorsese's that I have seen, The Irishman, I felt like was definitely a reflective, meditative film that, uh, you know, really looked back from a different perspective at the crime dramas he was used to making. And many people, many people generalize Scorsese for doing crime dramas when really he's done quieter stuff as well. And he's done character studies and he's done this and that. And all they seem to remember are the crime dramas. To be fair, I do consider The Wolf of Wall Street to be another gangster epic. So yeah, there you go. It's like a white collar gangster epic. I mean, it runs three hours and there's not nearly as much blood, but it's definitely, he's definitely some sort of gangster, you know, and I, you know, I, I, I just couldn't get behind that character. You're interested to see what he does next, which is the sign of good writing, 
and it's one of the quickest three-hour films that you will ever see, but you can never get behind the character. You're just sort of observing, you know, the camera's taking a neutral stance and the viewer is likely taking a negative stance, which is really how I would view The Wolf of Wall Street. So, yeah, with uh, with Casino, I think that uh, it had some... The way they depicted violence in that movie, it was tough. I mean, you could you could feel the hits when they came on with the sound design and the reactions and the stuff and like that. I really do feel like they made it an effort to make it more realistic so that when someone got hit, it just, you felt it, you know. Not too many movies tend to do that these days. I mean, they try with the sound design and the foley and the that stuff, but uh, I just, I really do think that Casino just has that visceral, for lack of a better word, punch whenever whenever someone's hit. So yeah, again, I'm trying to be more general about these films rather than giving too many things away, which I'm always paranoid about spoilers. But uh, yeah, one I've got to revisit actually is Hugo. I do remember that it had something to do with filmmaking and an automaton, but that's all I really remember. And also Chloe Grace Moretz was fantastic in it, as per usual. Chloe Grace Moretz in general is a fantastic actress, which uh, I really, really like her uh, acting work. So yeah, I, I really do hope that she has an even bigger future than she had as a child actress. Just an even bigger future, even better roles. You know, just everything. I mean, yeah, sorry about that tangent. I just, I like shouting out cast and crew that I really like the work of. And uh, yeah, speaking of, uh, speaking of various crew that I'd like to shout out, well, I, I already mentioned, I, I think I already mentioned Chris Watts and Apple Park Films, who are still in production at the Maya, and uh, I should also mention filmmaker Hamish Downey, who is also doing a project, Matcha and Vanilla. But uh, I won't mention any more about that, I'm just saying I'm really excited for both of them. So yeah, there you go. <laughs> now what else? Oh yeah, I think that's a... Uh, you know, many people will say Goodfellas is better than Taxi Driver, and I I can get that. You know, it has the, it has the fantastic long shot. It has the character. It it, it you know no no times really. Okay, I was gonna say no times wasted, but again, I feel like it drags a little bit. It has a bit of a third act problem, but uh, yeah, it really the fast editing works to its advantage and. It was said that uh, Scorsese went to Jules and Jim, the opening minutes, which I still got to see Jules and Jim, but apparently the opening minutes of Jules and Jim, a French new wave film, um, he really wanted that energy of the, of, you know, the, just the freeze frames and the other stuff like that. And he really wanted to bring that energy to a whole movie. He told Thelma Schoonmaker to edit it like it was a trailer. And so, you know, I, I guess... I know people complain about the MTV cutting thing, and I do too. But quick cutting, when it works, it works. And trust me, Scorsese is one who knows how to use a quick cut. Just like Psycho and Bonnie and Clyde before him. And there's there's nothing greater than a well-pulled-off long shot. And, you know, just on the tangent of long shots. Well, one of Scorsese's people he influenced, Paul Thomas Anderson, in Bo- in Boogie Nights. He has a number of uh, single takes that I really just love in that movie that probably, you know, I feel like if they're popularized by previous filmmakers like Orson Welles before Scorsese or Scorsese before Paul Thomas Anderson, I feel like that they're just going to, you know, 
carry them over into their new work. And, oh, I just love when a good long take is pulled off because too often I feel like people don't use shots for economy. They're like, get a shot at this, get a shot at it, get, 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 you know, and they don't really focus on trying to capture the most out of a shot. You know, this is just my opinion, but wouldn't you rather have a 20 second shot with like five angles in it that moves around like Spielberg does in a lot of his movies rather than just cutting between character, especially if it's a wider image. And that's one of my pet peeves there. If it's a wider image, like say two, three, five, two, three, nine to one, you get what I mean. Usually it's the reasonably thick bars at the top and bottom that you see on blockbusters. Just for those who don't know about aspect ratio, um, okay, anyway, if it's wider, why do they predominantly want to use the central framing or just off-framing when they could use the entire thing with the characters walking around and the blocking and the staging and that stuff, you know? I just feel like it's a wasted opportunity to, you know, sure it's important to see this character speaking and if you want it, if you want an effective close-up or a wide shot or whatever, that, that's understandable. That definitely serves a purpose. And, you know, if you're using them particularly for a purpose like Seven in one of the early scenes with Brad Pitt, Morgan Freeman and their boss, R. Lee Ermey, yes, that one who played the sergeant in Full Metal Jacket, and, you know, that's that's all well and good. But uh, I feel like too many people just use it for a standard shot reverse shot without really thinking it through. You know, it works, it, it probably works better in something narrower like 185 to 1, but... I still just feel like shot reverse shot should be used more sparingly generally in film. I'm not saying that as a rule. I'm saying that as a suggestion. I'm just saying try to capture more in a single shot if you can, unless you're using quick cutting for a special effect, you know. But uh, yeah, that that's just me. You know, you can tweet something if you agree with me or not. It's fine. I'm open to different opinions. Now back to Scorsese. I just... You know, I love the way he pulls off that famous Copacabana long take, going all the way from the back of the restaurant, all the way through the kitchen, into the restaurant, and just, it's supposed to apparently symbolise that life is ahead of Henry Hill and Karen. You know, it's just, it's it's dreamy, it's, you know, you, you're feeling on a high with him, because ultimately, you know, you, you sort of, you want to know, like, Henry, he's definitely... Well, I, I, I would not say likeable, but I would not say entirely unlikable. If you catch my drift, well, okay, it's just, it, it's sort of that gray area where you're like, you know, I can, I can step into this person's shoes, see life from their perspective, but you know, you, 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 you don't, you don't want to be them, you know, you just want to watch them, you know, you just want to watch them and you want to see what they do and you want to just you know, be in their shoes for a little while and, you know, just maybe sink into the depths of the criminal world without ever having to do it yourself. I I guess what I'm saying is, well, what do I say? It's just, I really do think that too many people aspire to be characters who are clearly bad in nature and these characters are presented neutrally and we're supposed to, we're supposed to condemn the criminal life, not really support it you know, and I just think that uh, too many people take the wrong lessons, like they will hail Henry Hill as a hero, or they'll they'll hail uh, some other character who's been mistaken as a hero as a hero instead of a villain, (laughs) but uh, yeah, there you go.
I, I hope I explained myself well there. I hope I did. Uh, yeah, anyway, I feel like I rambled on too long about that particular point. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so, yeah, Marvel is cinema, content is, well, you know, I, I, I can guess that, I can guess that content is content. I mean, you know, I think the style-substance comparison sort of makes sense and it sort of doesn't. More of that in The Jump. So maybe Scorsese just meant that, uh, you know, content has become style, that there's no substance anywhere. But alternatively, I alternatively interpret that, you know, maybe content is there for just being content. Maybe they just don't fill it with enough. Maybe they just don't try anything with it. Maybe I think that's what he means. But going with my previous comparison of style versus substance, aka form versus content, you know, form goes a long way in making your substance, your content, you know, just uh, not palatable exactly, but, you know, more entertaining and, or whatever you want to do with the form. You know, if you have, if you have the story out of order, you can potentially confuse people unless you do it right, or maybe you want to confuse them or whatever. But uh, yeah, I think that uh, with content and form, okay, let me just think here. Content is really content creator. I would describe myself as a content creator and going in the metaphor, I would say a substance creator. Now, don't assume I'm like Walter White or anything when I say that. You know what I mean. <laughs> anyway, um, content creator. Okay, content and style. So yeah, con style is... Sorry, I'm getting it mixed up. Okay, form is style, content is substance. So okay, if, if you have a fast-moving form, that could open people up to more substance. If you have, if you have a thing where you slow down the form... You know, you have a slower thing for a reason, like The Godfather. And, you know, you can have plenty of... You can you can still have plenty of content in there. It's like I was discussing in the pacing thing. I hope this all makes sense, actually. It's like I was discussing in the pacing. You know, a film can have lots of information and be technically fast, but also technically be slow. And, you know, I was just thinking about that when I was saying this. But uh, I really do think that, uh, that uh, content is your priority. Form is how you can make it entertaining, how you can make it at least investing, if not entertaining, because it nothing, not everything has to be entertaining. You know, you have, you have your thing like Schindler's List, which is a deadly serious drama that is still, you know, you watch it and you're very invested in it and you are deeply saddened and, you know, you, you just... You just, your heart breaks for everyone there, but you're not entertained, you know, not everything's out there to entertain you, you know, some things, you know, I, that, that's not to say entertainment itself outside of that can't be used for deeper messages. Look at Pixar's work. I know Pixar's kind of gone down downhill lately, but still look at something like uh, Wall-E or Up and they have some deeper meanings to them, definitely. But uh, yeah, I guess that's probably what he means. So that's all I'm going to say about content and form, just so I don't confuse myself even further. <laughs> I'm also quite excited for Killers of the Flower Moon, which it's going to be on Apple TV. I don't have Apple TV. Why? <laughs> well, <laughs> for one, 
that's another different topic entirely, how streaming is just becoming too damn expensive with too many damn options. My last thoughts on Martin Scorsese for this podcast. I did not like New York, New York. Robert De Niro was just way too unlikable and I just didn't like that movie. And he wasn't interesting in the movie. And even though good performances, you know, I admire they put the musical together with the 70s cynicism and that sort of thing. But still, you know, I do like that uh, I do like that Scorsese has the slow motion and the freeze frame sort of things. I feel like not too many people use freeze frames in the proper way, you know, but Scorsese definitely does. And he uses just uh, some other things that can be seen to be from older films. Like I've seen a clip at least from one of his films. I saw a clip from The Departed where he used the iris effect onto someone. And that was, you know, a neat little thing. But uh, yeah, I definitely like how he edits to the music or Thelma Schoonmaker edits to the music for him. But, you know, editors and directors really do work together, I would say. So yeah, the Rolling Stones. Not only does he love them, but I love them too. You know, they're a great band. He has extraordinary abilities to make movies full of cursing as well, (laughs) which he's broken the record a few times. You know, Goodfellas, Casino, Wolf of Wall Street... But, uh, yeah. (laughs) I think what I mean to say about the morality that I couldn't quite say earlier was the fact that, uh, sure, you know, they're having a good time while they're in the crime, but really they're just gonna, they're just gonna ultimately fall apart, you know, and that's, that's the beauty of it, you know, because he, you know, criminals can't get away with what they're doing forever and they have to get caught and Scorsese's good at doing that, you know, which uh, is pretty good. I mean, he views them neutrally, but the criminals, they get what's coming to them. You know, that's that's what I think. He does that sort of thing quite well. Also, I learned that he actually has his name pronounced Scorsese by IMDb. I was, you know, actually, I, I searched the pronunciation and IMDb came up with the pronunciation. And, you know, many people say Scorsese by accident not knowing. It's like many people say Kubrick for Stanley Kubrick, so, sorry, for Stanley Kubrick. Um, his daughter Vivian pronounces it as Kubrick, whereas some pronounce it Kubrick. So weird pronunciations and not weird. I mean, I mean, weird in a good way. You know what I mean? But uh, yeah, I guess that, uh, you know, I really like his, I really like his directorial career, even if I have not seen every single film. You know, I actually got a copy of Bringing Out the Dead one time, but it was so scratched it wouldn't play, so I got to find a new copy of that. Anyway. Anyway, Manskull says he's done TV, he's done, you know, documentaries, he's done music videos, and uh, I really do feel like he's done quite a bit, which is absolutely great. So, yeah, ending with my, well, outro. If you want to create, if you want to inspire, if you want to innovate, if you want to electrify, we need your voice. Because you could change things for the better. Now go change things for the better.